Hello, welcome to Remastered, the show that had no name but now does, and it is remastered. Because we're remastering our childhood. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. It's a good name. <laughs> we had to change the name a little bit since last week, didn't we? Yeah. Cause we it, were going to do In Our Time. It's actually a very popular BBC Radio 4 show. Um, I've, I've even had it as a podcast on my <laughs> well, I thought we were going to name it the Conan O'Brien show for a little bit then, but you pulled the plug on that as well. Yeah, well, I was still stuck on calling it Seinfeld at the time, so, you know, it was, that was affecting my opinion. Uh, but nevertheless, here we are, and it is remastered. Remastered. It is. I like and it. And I hear that you had a big week. Did I? You did. You You saw something. Yeah. Yeah, this week for the first time ever. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I and did. I've been itching to get your opinion on it. Okay, let's. Well, we'll we'll start there. Um, so this this actually came up for me a little while ago when Will suggested it, and this was the movie Red Dawn, and Will suggested it, and and you sort of you know, when people suggest movies to me, you sort of you you assess the individual that is recommending this movie, and when that individual is Will Tristram. It's a 50-50 if it could go either way. Sometimes, brilliant. Other times, Transformers 3. So Any passing fan of movies you should see will know that, uh, you know, from time to time, he'll recommend something that you just have to stop and say, okay, now I know why they all sigh and moan whenever he opens his mouth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Will. Yeah. And sometimes they even get through as a movie you should see. <laughs> there's no other way I would have ever watched Johnny Got His Gun. That, but I just want to point out that it took me saying that you should watch it for you to jump on that gun. Yeah, it did. That was like the, the straw that broke the camel's back, and it was right there on Netflix, and it was even already popping up in the films we think you'll like, Rich, section. Um, and so all it was the perfect storm of you should watch this film. So I watched the film. I watched, I watched Red Dawn with Patrick Swayze and... Charlie Sheen and God, everyone from everything in the eighties. Don't forget Leah Thompson, Leah who Thompson, I had a huge eighties crush on. Jennifer Grey, uh, Powers Booth, C. Thomas Howell. Yeah, just everybody, every everyone that came into shot. You're like, oh, it's that guy. I've seen that guy. Right, and directed by the same guy who did Conan the Barbarian. So you know, right from the outset, it's going to be good. Yeah. So this is, uh, it's, I'm just bringing up its IMDb page. This is basically a film set in, well, I assume it's set in the time that it was made, 1984-ish. This is the height of the, the Cold War. Oh, and there we go. I was waiting to see how long it would take, but the chat room at simplysyndicated.com has just erupted with Wolverines. Yeah. It was, it was when that first happened on the film, and I suddenly realized, that's the bit people say to me, isn't it? <laughs> I think Wolverines. That's now going to become my battle cry whenever something happens. Oh, yeah. uh, so this is the film in which America is invaded by combined forces of the Cubans and the Russians. The Cubans would have been bad enough. But yeah, the Russians. <laughs> Both at the same time. Neither force having an idea what the other one is saying to them. Uh, you mentioned that this is from 1984. Yeah. So many good movies came out that year. Have you ever sat down and looked at a list of the 1984 movies that we love? I'm actually doing it as we speak. I'm the just... Terminator. Yeah. 
Spinal Tap, Ghostbusters, The Karate Kid. You've got Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, Starman, Romancing the Stone. Did I say Purple Rain? No, you didn't say Purple Rain. Purple Rain. Uh, Beverly Hills Cop, Footloose, yeah. Police Academy, The NeverEnding Story, Gremlins, 16 Candles, The Last Starfighter. Uh, let's see. I'm looking down the list here. The, the Muppets Take Manhattan, The Search for Spock. Amadeus. Uh, Amadeus, a, a Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, Revenge of the Ooh, Cloak and Dagger. Oh, oh, my God. You're the only other human being alive who knows that film. <laughs> we're we're going to talk about Cloak and Dagger at some point. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. I had no idea that you knew that film. No, that, that one's great. It's Atari the movie. Yeah, it is. Oh, my God. Yeah, Cloak and Dagger. Um, There's just so many films. This was an incredible year. 2010. Children of the Corn. Splash. Just uh, you're talking about the mermaid splash? Yeah. Yeah. Bachelor yeah. Party. A ton of good movies came out in 1984. So it's it's easy to miss one of the good ones in the mix. So yeah. I can see how you might have overlooked this one. Uh, especially considering, you know, I think this is going to be a running theme on this show, but both of our parents are a little bit conservative, a little bit watchful when it comes to what you're actually putting in the VCR. Absolutely. And I yeah, I was five in 1984. So Supergirl, that's one I remember. But Red <laughs> Dawn, not on the list for me at the time. One I've caught up with. It was one of the darkest, most frightening films I have watched in a long time, Red Dawn. I didn't expect anything like what I got. What did you expect? Well, I expected it to be just a little fluffier because it's a 1984 movie. You sort and because of, of the cast, right? Yeah. You know, it's Charlie Sheen and Patrick Swayze and all of this. Surely they'll be dancing and joking and all this. No. No, no, no. Let's start you off with a kid with a bullet in his face, hanging out of his school window. What the hell was that? That was just, that was just really chilling for a start. And what proceeds from there is just basically an NRA wet dream, where it's a movie that validates being a crazy American gun nut. Absolutely. I did love the shot, the, the close-up on the bumper sticker of, you can have my gun when you pry it from my cold, dead hand and pan down to a cold, dead hand with a gun being taken out of it. <laughs> but that's where it will get you, you see? My God. Mind you, that was, that was also the point that made me realize if that happened here, it would take an afternoon, not like a war or anything like that. There would be no resistance here whatsoever. Nothing. Well, that's actually something I wanted to ask you about, because I think one of the other things in this show that we're going to be doing is talking about differences between the way that Americans and, and Brits look at things, right? Yeah. And I'm interested to hear the perspective of someone whose nation has actually been attacked, because at the time this movie was made, the last time that we'd ever been attacked on home turf was Pearl Harbor. Yeah. And that wasn't even really home turf at that point. So, I mean, you guys actually lived through air raids during World War II, and we didn't. Well, I mean, you you didn't live through that. No, but yeah. You're we, not quite that iron-haired. No, as a nation, we are rather historically used to being invaded and taken over. It's it's pretty much what has got us here today, really. Um, it would... Yeah, just bizarre. We we have no sort of... I, I don't know what would happen if we were invaded now. I, I assume that there would be some sort of 
maybe the territorial army like the, the weekend guys would be gathered up as quickly as possible if that was doable maybe you'd have some police officers but very few of them would be armed there's no general population armed certainly not legally or carrying rifles with them at any given moment uh we'd essentially just have to put up a bunch of inner city kids and farmers against the russian military and hats off to the russian military i reckon they could take our farmers well at the time they probably could have i'm not sure about now but at the time that this was made this was the the big reagan era coming coming right after the red scare still during the cold war uh it was a scary time i'm wondering though has britain become more or less paranoid as the past few decades have passed interesting question um we have become i think we've been for the last decade we've been swept up in the general international paranoia since 911 you know there's there's we take our shoes off at the airport etc all of this sort of thing i was going to see how long we could go without saying 911 it was inevitable jason it had to happen <laughs> since then yeah i mean you know things just everywhere have been kind of crazy and and so increasingly crazy here but not it's not something that affects me in my day-to-day life or anything like that. And in the sort of decade before that, in the 80s and 90s, we were regularly being bombed by the IRA as it was anyway. You know, it was that was actually something that I did, mm-hmm. you know, not quite invasion, of course, but something that was always on the news when I was growing up and into my mid to late teens of another IRA bomb has gone off in London and then the big one went off in Manchester. That That one scared the crap out of everyone because suddenly it wasn't just London anymore. And uh, I remember all the newspapers, the the local newspapers at the time, printing the big front-page story going, if the IRA come to England to bombers, they have to go through Doncaster. And everybody hates Doncaster, so they'll probably bomb it. Panic. So we did. Hmm. Um, but And that, that just kind of went away, and now it's it's not an issue anymore. Or, or the bombing isn't an issue anymore. Um, and so, yeah, I don't even remember being particularly scared of it. It's quite weird that because it was always there, it was just how things were. And so there was nothing particularly scary about it. The thing I find scary, and the thing that was particularly scary about Red Dawn, is that change of state when you go from being not invaded to being invaded. And it's that whole adjusting to whatever's going on. And especially when they're the evil overlords that the Russians and Cubans wanted to be. Having that comfy, cozy um, background ripped away from you suddenly? Yeah, that sort of yeah. thing. Whereas, you know, if you grow up, if, if you're born into America occupied by Russia, I imagine it would be slightly less scary, but not any less generally irritating. Mm-hmm. That's how you know, I describe a... the Russia invading America. That's, <laughs> that's quite irritating, really. Yeah, There's yeah. a 2012 remake of Red Dawn scheduled. I'm not sure if it's going to go off on time or not, but I don't think it's going to fly like the first one did. Because I've been thinking about this all week here, ever since you said that you saw the movie. And I was thinking that since the Cold War ended, we're, in America at least, a little bit less paranoid. And that's why all this flare-up of Tea Party, survivalist, uh, rightist kind of Hurrah, 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 you know, the, the grumblings and, and machoism, why it seems so weird to us. But I don't think that we're quite like we used to be here in America anymore, or, or in America. In America. In America. 
yeah, I think that constant threat has, has sort of sort of just gone away somewhat. And We're kind of just in a in a mode of uh, we'll send some soldiers over there. They'll take care of it, and we'll forget about it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I we don't really fear invasion anymore. I mean, we we kind of probably due to budget cuts, but disbanding a great deal of armed forces and that sort of thing. Have you heard our, our latest absolute mess about our aircraft carriers? No, no. Here's the kick, right? We've got aircraft carriers. They are brilliant. They're brand new. Some of them are even still being built. These are state-of-the-art modern warfare kick-ass aircraft carriers. Do you know what we've not got? Anyone to man them? Any planes to put on the aircraft carriers. Oh, nicely done. That's what we didn't think through. So we've got these great boats exclusively designed for carrying planes we don't own. And so what we've done is go to the French and go, hey, you know you guys have got some planes and no aircraft carriers. Well, we've got some aircraft carriers <laughs> and no planes. Do you want to sort of just pal around together and sort of fly around and, and sail boats? And they went, yeah, all right. I think so, that's what you call lunch table diplomacy. Yeah. <laughs> Trade you that apple for your chips. <laughs> and and so this and this is you want to talk about two countries fighting each other. Us and the French have literally been at it for centuries. And without any clear winner coming through, we just suddenly decided, do you know what? We're both quite poor now. Let's just let's just, you know we'll we'll have the same army, the same air force, the same navy. And it's very weird. And so now if we wanted to go to war with our aircraft carriers, we have to get French approval to do that because we've got to take their planes and their pilots and also the same if they want to go to war. So God knows what that will happen with that if if anything happens. But uh, All that being said, though, I'm really curious if we can throw out a spoiler tag here. Uh, what you thought of the movie, how the twist happened at the end because, um, you know, it, it doesn't turn out all smiles and, ha and happy faces. Did you expect things to go south? I kind of, do you know, I didn't really, I was so swept up in what was going on that I kind of didn't think about where it was going. But when it does finish the way it does, I mean, your two options are either we see the invading forces leave or we don't see the invading forces leave. And we kind of got the don't see them leave. You know, the, the Patrick Swayze was not triumphant in getting rid of the Russians. In the slightest. It ended years later, apparently. And I kind of think, well, of course. of course. There was no other happy, no other comfortable way to end that story. Because the idea that all these invading forces would in any way be deterred by this group of teenagers led by Patrick Swayze is kind of laughable. I mean, what does it say about the American military if really what they were missing was this guy who can dance? You know? <laughs> We would have got with they never they never have invaded as if only we'd had Patrick Swayze from the get go, you know. Of course, so it, so. it didn't catch you by surprise then. Not really, I, I suppose it, it was the inevitable ending. I I do like how they did it in the kind of the the sort of text on the screen and showing us what happened afterwards, that sort of thing. And yeah, you I kind of I was quite comfortable with the fact that what I was actually watching was this story that took place at the beginning of this World War Three as they were calling it, but even though the whole world wasn't fighting. Did you feel cheated at all to have invested in all those characters only to have none of them survive? Not in the slightest. I loved it. Honestly, I don't I didn't have a single complaint about this film. It was just made 
my my only concerns with it was was how it made me feel because the the stuff you were watching if it had been like a film about a group of soldiers going through what they went through and doing the things they did that would have actually been fine but it was the fact that it was the kids that do it that they didn't sign up for it at all yeah and and they are so little some of them and some of them are girls and and god another spoiler when he gives her the grenade to blow herself up with at the end that was just what are you doing? I saw your tweet on it. That's just—he's giving her the grenade. Oh my yeah. god! You know, and like I say, so you know, when Woody Harrelson blows his own ass off in Thin Red Line, that's one thing. When Jennifer Grey does it in Red Dawn, it's—it's it's a crying moment, and and sort of sit in your chair shaking. Did he really just do that? He really <laughs> did that. Oh my god! Yeah. Um, Aramir in the chat room says it's it's an unusual movie to be so popular. He says because Americans traditionally do not like happy ending, unhappy endings, and he's right. Well, it, it didn't hit the Hollywood formula at all. No, it didn't. I think maybe that's why I liked it as well. But it, it, it didn't hit the Hollywood formula without straying too far off, because you still got you still got that closure of and the war ended, even though we didn't see the whole war, we didn't see how it ended or or that happening. We still were told, it's all right, it ended. Chill out. Even though all the beautiful people died. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 they weren't all the beautiful people. That was just a few kids. Don't worry about them. Don't worry <laughs> about them. And they put the names on that big rock. It's all fine. There's a plaque it, there now. And it was pre-nose surgery, uh, pre, pre-rhinoplasty Jennifer Grey. So. It was. So you yeah. know exactly what she's supposed to look like. Actually, I must look this up again. because Not as big a sacrifice. No, this was, was this just before, oh dear God, I've just brought up her IMDb page. Have you seen what she looks like now? She's not bad looking as far as I can remember. Uh, go and look at her IMDb page. Okay, that's a, that's a negatory I'm feeling. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Eh. I, I just think that's when surgery goes wrong several times, actually. What's up with her right eye? She's a lot older than I'd expected, but I guess that happens to people, doesn't it? It does. I just think she looks like she's had too much work done. In fact, since she was younger. So I was just wondering if this came out before or after. No, this was before Ferris Bueller. This was her second movie, in fact. So be- way before Dirty Dancing as well. Did you happen to see the Ferris Bueller commercial during the Super Bowl? I didn't know. I've heard... That there was something I don't. I've not heard. Any, I don't even know what it involved. What What was it? There was a, a a big stink on YouTube a couple days before the Super Bowl because there was just a short little teaser, like I think it was maybe ten seconds or so, released of Matthew Broderick getting up and opening curtains, and it was an obvious homage to the to Ferris Bueller. But people were talking about it because they didn't know if it was an ad, if it was a promo for Ferris Bueller Two. All that it says was basically, "Hey, watch the Super Bowl. We're going to have a big announcement." Turned out to be a commercial for an SUV, I think. Oh, that's disappointing. But the commercial was very well done. It was a lot of um, a lot of shots that were referencing Ferris Bueller. You know, the, the somebody takes his car and goes and jumps it over a, a big hill. Yeah. The, the, it was it was better. I I think it was much better received being that than it would have been the announcement of Ferris Two. Yeah, I can go with that. I can. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the I think only... there were a bunch of sighs of relief. Yeah. 
The only uh, Super Bowl commercials I've seen from this year are the ones involving dogs, because Caesar Milan put them on his blog. Yes, I have Caesar Milan's blog on my RSS feeds. <laughs> but yeah, he put up, like, there's the Volkswagen ad with the dogs barking the Darth Vader theme. And that was, I love that. I've watched that several times in actual fact. If you've not seen that one, then, well, if you watched the Super Bowl, then you probably did. We don't get the adverts here, of course. Oh, you don't. You're cheated of that. Yeah. So you don't follow American football to begin with. They air the Super Bowl, but they throw in local commercials? No, they don't. I don't know what they do because I didn't watch it. But uh, I think they just go back to guys talking in the studio. And you've ah. got the, the seasoned BBC sports reporter who's clearly got no clue what's going on. And some American guy sat next to him who you've never seen on TV before in your life trying to explain American football to English people. And uh, I'm, I'm amazed anybody watches it. It's, it's... See, I have trouble with sports at the best of times. <laughs> so when you get one like American football, which God knows how that actually works as a game, I take your word for it that it's a game. and there, It's there's... very, very simple. And I invite the European world, come on over to Ohio. I'll take care of you. I'll show you how it's done. <laughs> I, think we, it's, I think they're trying to build it up here, to be honest. Um, you know, there's, there's been a European football league for years and years and years, uh, an American football league there. Um, so I'm surprised it hasn't taken off. Yeah, we it's interesting. We were just I was just talking to Alison about this because we actually got into this through the idea of dogs wearing clothes. Bear with me on this. Okay, I'm going to sit back in my so chair. So we were because <laughs> we were just having this conversation. Oh, you wouldn't change anything about Barkley? No, I wouldn't. I, I would like to get him a little bowler hat though that just sits between his ears, not over his ears. And then we, we laughingly recount the time we were in San Francisco in the pet store, and the entire back of the shop was dedicated to dog-shaped and sized jerseys of various sporting teams. And it was hundreds of them. And just the idea that here, when you go into a, a, a sports equipment store, you, we have the replica kits and that sort of thing. And it's all the football teams and maybe a couple of rugby shirts and you're done. That's it. Whereas you guys must have all your NFL teams, all your NHL teams, all your NBA teams, all the... There must be thousands of different team jerseys that you have to take into account when you're opening up a sports store. And not only those, but you're you're only talking about the majors. You're talking about professional. Uh, start talking about college teams, and that's where it really branches out because there's many, many more college teams than there are professional ones. See, and we See, don't we don't have anything like that here. There's no college teams here. Well, no the, college sports teams. It's not big business there. Well, no. Well, there might be colleges that have sports teams and they might play other colleges at that sport, but no one cares. It's certainly college, not... college sports in America is a, uh, in, in Merca, is a multi-billion <laughs> dollar a year industry. That's where a, a lot of colleges get their educational funding is from selling football tickets. Right. Yeah, we don't have anything like that here. Nothing at all. Um, but... You know, in actual fact, the American obsessions with watching sports was illust when we when I first went to America was ninety three ninety four. There was a massive baseball strike. None of the players were playing. Right. And as we saw in the in just one of the the bars, whatever in the the airport on our way home, there was such a desperate need for there to be some baseball on television. There mm -hmm. were grade school kids playing. 
they, this was like a school sports day. There was no one on that field older than 12. And this was on TV on primetime sports viewing time. Because mm-hmm. it was just, there has to be, there must be baseball on somebody. I just need to watch somebody play baseball. And so, it's, okay, kids. It's very much a cultural drug. And I can tell you that just as well as anybody can because I cover hyper local uh, news. That's my job. It's what I do during the day. Yeah. Uh, and some of the times that bleeds over into sports, and I'll have to go to a football game or a basketball game. But the people in the stands are absolutely bloodthirsty. They, they have to have it. They're, they're up on their feet. They're screaming. They're getting red faced and angry. There's spittle coming out of their mouths. <laughs> their eyes have turned red. Horns poking through their craniums. It's, it's it's absolutely incredible how much people get into that and compound it with the fact that Ohio here is a, a – it's just ingrained in your blood that you have to play football or be involved in football. Um, have you ever seen Varsity Blues? No, I, I know of it, but I've not seen it. It's, it's got the Dawson quintessential – yeah, it's got Dawson. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's the quintessential 90s football movie though uh, for, for, for teens, I guess. I think any – uh, any given Sunday is a little bit better, but that's a different topic altogether. But it, it's basically about how Texas is so obsessed with these teams that the teens, the, the players' lives are eaten up by it. Ohio is like the Texas of the North when it comes to that. So football, football season is just absolutely, it's a massacre. You go out there and there's thousands of people in, in these stupid little public school stadiums chanting and throwing things and booing the refs. It gets pretty intense. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Well, we just don't have anything. I think it actually boils down to a population issue that there are simply so many more of you than there are of us that there's room to do this. Like, if you look at the percentage of sports fans who like rugby but don't like football here, that's probably, well, there's probably plenty of those people. It's not many and the idea of having like a third sport that there would be people who like that, but not the other two. There's just not the number of fans to support a major sports franchise. Whereas if you get people in America who don't, who like baseball and don't like football and basketball, that's fine. There's mil- there's tens of millions of them, and and you can get away with doing that. It's just a question of numbers. I could be completely wrong. I think you are. <laughs> I'm trying to do some quick research. I think that I will give you anything. England has a higher population density than the United States. We're so spread out here. You, you got to remember there's 320 million of us, but we're over, you know, several billion square miles. Well, uh, yeah, true. But I, I just mean, you know, just in terms of the number of people that if, if you have, if say 100 million of you don't like baseball, that's okay. Oh, yeah, there's another 100 million to step in and like it. Yeah. You're right there. Whereas if 100 million people here don't like football, we've got to go and find another 30 million people to not like football, (laughs) which just makes things awkward. Do you like football now? Come here. Come here. We're trying to not like it. It is funny, though, how there's quadrants of the country that like sports and don't. Because if you go to the the Northwest, there's there's not really a good, well-attended stadium for NFL football in the Northwest. There's San Francisco, and then I think the next one is Seattle. But Oregon doesn't have a sports team. Idaho doesn't have a, or I'm sorry, Oregon doesn't have a football team. Idaho doesn't. Montana doesn't. You start getting really spread out up there as well. Right. So you also get the issue of there being enough fans locally 
to support a team. Right. And right. that sort of thing. Yeah, we, we don't have that issue at all. That's there's there is a there's a football team everywhere. Every every town and city has a football team. Like I, New York has three football teams. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes some cities have, have several. I mean, God look at London. They have I'm sure there are people who know about football who tell you exactly how many football teams there are in London. I'm just <laughs> trying to work it out and think of three, but that's probably not all of them. I, I don't know. Someone's gonna email me that. I don't care. Sorry. I'd like I prefer Formula One. It's just the way I'm built. Sorry. We've got off Red Dawn anyway, haven't we? Oh, um, way off Red Dawn. But yeah, I loved that film. I absolutely loved that film. I can't for the life of me figure out how a remake would work unless you made it as a remake and set it in 1984. Did you find yourself judging the people that were in the movie for being so readily, so easily taking up guns? No. They didn't run and hide. They didn't try to be diplomatic. They just started shooting. No. No, I I think that's that's fair enough. If If a load of if an invading force started parachuting in here and I had a gun, yeah, fair enough. I think that, you know, as much as I don't condone violence, war is bad, all of this sort of thing, and I, I think I, the idea of me actually killing a person is horrendous. But if we were actively being invaded and they were here, then I, I think that's probably the best situation in which to pick up a gun. Do you think that you actually would, though? Because for all the American hoorah and bravado and, you know, all the gun ownership that we have here, I I think most Americans would probably not take any risk. They would be the ones that got sent to the internment camp. Entirely possibly. Um, it's a tricky thing. It's a, a tricky thing. I'm sure there are people in this world who could tell you exactly what they do because they've lived through it. And they'd be, you know, we don't know. We're born. You and, you and I in terms of our country being invaded or people turning up at our doorstep trying to kill us and that sort of thing, you know, yeah. there's a lot worse places in the world to live than the US and the UK. Uh, yeah. But I think, yeah, that's, that's if, if it's going to happen, that's as good a reason as any. I think I was probably 12 when I saw Red Dawn for the first time, and I was at that stage still running around, you know, toy guns, playing, uh, you know, in, in the woods, playing soldier and backpacking and uh, grew up in a pretty rural area. So at that point, I think that I would have followed suit, but the older I get, the more liberal I get. And I think these days I would have trouble. Uh, think I think I would definitely have trouble jumping in and standing up for my country. You see the thing that we had that, you know, the next generation has doesn't have, sorry, is that our parents will have been born towards the end of or just after world war Two, you know my my dad was born in 1950 just after the end of world war Two, and for them it was still when they were little very much a big thing i mean rationing didn't end here for many years after the the war and so my parents will have been born into rationing and so we we always had that whole the world war Two thing is a big thing here um because we think we won it um but and so you get that there's all the war movies all that sort of thing but i don't have that i was not born just after a major world conflict or anything like that there's never really been any war that has directly affected my life in the slightest and so it's less emphasized for me it's it's less important 
Um, whereas, you know, I, the, the movie Battle of Britain, I can watch that and it's a movie. Whereas my dad watched that as a kid and the, pe- the characters in the film were real people that he knew of from being famous soldiers and pilots and that sort of thing. And so you can see it just take on a whole different meaning from generation to generation. And the further away we get from it, the, the more, uh, the, the less important it'll be, I think. I think there's a greater ethical ambiguity too now about whether war is justifiable, even if somebody occupies you. I, I hope that that's a good sign and not a sign of weakness, but um, definitely something I think that you're going to see at least America and maybe, maybe our allies across the pond have to deal with here in a, the next uh, hundred years or so especially with whatever happens in the Middle East. Uh, World War III is something that we've started talking about again here recently with the big deal with Iran's ramp-up. Yeah, they're the ones that are really going to push it, aren't they? I've really thought that of late, that you kind of look at them thinking, do you, do you know what you're doing? You really and you do understand that if you push this far enough, they are going to come and bomb the shit out of you, don't you? You do understand that, because it's going to happen. And I think the only thing that's keeping them alive at the moment is the fact that your president is up for re-election soon. And he's pressuring Israel not to go and do covert ops on the Iranian nuclear facilities. Yeah. Because and, and Israel's really going to be the one that pulls the trigger, if it's anyone at all. Because Iran's just trying to build up enough arms so that they can play defense, I think. I, I think Israel is really the one that's going to say... Uh, we've got to take Iran out or not. Well, They're going to really be the ones that decide. You see, they're another one that I kind of don't blame them. Because you've got the, the, the guy in Iran saying, yeah, we, we really don't think that Israel should exist and we're going to actively pursue doing something about that. And you think, well, okay, so the guy next door says he wants to kill you and he's gonna and you think he's actually developing a nuclear weapon. And I've heard it said a lot that Ira- uh, Israel is one bomb country. You detonate a, mu- a nuclear warhead something like a mile above uh, Israel and you will get the country because it's that geographically small. Uh, and so it just takes one nutter and there's one that lives next door to them. And so you sort of think, well, you either sit there and wait for him to achieve his absolute nutterness or you go in there and kill him. And save your entire country. So I, I kind of don't blame them if they were a bit nervous, to say the least. It is interesting, though, to see how much our, our fears have changed. Red Dawn, the fear was occupation. Someone else coming to us. Someone else changing our way of life here. Someone else invading us. And I think now the, the problem is more one of um, who's going to pull the trigger first over there and get obliterated over there. Are we going to have to send more guys over there? Yeah. That, that's it. I mean, like, the actual wars that have taken place in my lifetime that uh, that this country's been involved with, I suppose you'd have the Falklands War, which I'm beginning to think might actually become an issue again because Argentina don't learn. Uh, and you've got sort of the first Desert Storm and then the repeat, the remake. And that's pretty much been it. And none of that has been anywhere near here. And so it's difficult to get that scared about it, I suppose. It's a very remote control war kind of concept. Absolutely. And is becoming more so with our Cylon-esque drone bombers that we've just developed. That was amazing. I, sort of the same week, the US Air Force and the RAF 
showed off their their drone fighter planes not just the drone uh, sort of the recon planes or whatever these were actual these will go up and shoot down another plane thing and the main difference between your one and our one is that our one had a flashing red light that went across the front oh yeah <laughs> oh yeah back and forth back and forth did it did it talk to you at all it didn't talk but it looked hello like, michael it looked like a cylon night rider drone plane it was really cool and that was it. I, and I just look at them thinking, these are going to be really boring models to make in the years to come. But it's what we do now. I suppose in some ways it's good, but in other ways, not so good. I'm a big believer that if you're going to have, if, if you're going to be in the business of killing people, it should have to be a first-hand sort of thing. And maybe if that's an issue, then you should think twice about whether you should be in the business of killing people or not. That's a very Ned Stark viewpoint to take. Have you seen Game of Thrones at all? No. Uh, Boromir is in it, of course. Yes. And he has a great line about how if you're going to be, uh, or if you're going to order someone's execution, you damn well better be the one that holds the sword. So. Yeah, it's that's you know, it's very easy to send someone else off to war, and it's even easier if that person going to war involves them going down the corridor into that other room at the other end of the building and picking up an Xbox controller. And that's frightening. It was a lot harder to send someone to war when they had to pick up a sword and get on a horse and travel for six months. And maybe if they make it there, then they can have a war. Mind you, we managed that well enough to cause enough problems around the world for hundreds of years. So obviously it wasn't difficult enough. You know. It's been a depressing look at the mid-80s tonight, Rich. It has. Let's do something more fun. Before I get onto listing countries that I feel I have to apologize to when I travel to them. You want to keep on going? Because we, we've been talking for a long, long time. Have we? No about 45 way. minutes, I think. You are joking. That that's been about 40 minutes. That's incredible. I had no idea. That's... I had a feeling that Red Dawn might be a starting point that would lead us down this path. No, it's good then. We'll stay with this. Let's stay with this because the other thing we were going to go on to is the whole show of its own and we should oh, say yeah. that to be a whole show of its own i can talk cartoons forever yeah. that, that would be two hours it, it would be that's it's a big one let's stick let's stick with red dawn then that's good um, i definitely recommend it so do you think if they did a remake it might involve might involve middle eastern people in some way do you think that's uh, because that's the sort of they're the they're the current bad guys, so to speak, from a Hollywood point of view. It's not actually, the Russians yeah. anymore. The wrong end of Asia is what you're looking at because the 2012 Red Dawn remake, according to IMDb, is a group of teenagers look to save their town from an invasion of North Korean soldiers. Right. Right. Starring Chris Hemsworth, Adrian Palacki, and other people I don't recognize. Ah, just found this. I don't even rec Oh, Chris Hemsworth is uh, that's uh, Thor, Thor, isn't it? Yeah. Thought I thought his name was something else. I knew he was Chris something. I don't know what I thought it was. Yeah, the North Koreans. Do you think they could actually do something like that? No, a friend and I were talking about this the other day. The, the North Koreans are a sham. Yeah. That's that's where I am with it as well. Um, they can't even afford to feed their people, let alone launch an invasion anywhere. Well, the, the one thing about them that, that is scary is that if they can't afford to feed their people, they can apparently still afford to fund a nuclear program. Yeah. 
And as of 2009, they have the ability to launch international ballistic missiles with warheads. Yeah, I did have, there was an American guy on the news who was either a politician or a military man. And he was flat out asked, are you, are you in any way concerned about this? You know, they have a nuclear program and can launch missiles. And his look was one of, don't be bloody stupid. It was, and the reply was simply, it takes them six months to put a missile together on the launch pad and we watch them build it. Mm-hmm. If we actually think for a nanosecond that they are remotely close to launching that at us, it will explode on the launch pad, we guarantee it. Anything. Well, yeah. they had so many problems with missile tests for so many years. You know, they would fire one out over the North China Sea. It would blow up before it even got, you know, a few miles out. It would be a big deal, but they've been getting better and better and better. It, what is really holding them back is, I, I think, from I don't know a whole lot about it, but getting enough weapons-grade plutonium or uranium or, or whatever fissionable material they're, they're looking for. Right. I, yeah, I, they just seem, I think you're right, they're just, they're just a mess. They're, they're not going to have the level of, of control that they would need for this sort of thing. Not at all. I, uh, I was treated to a, a few members of the North Korean military playing Take On Me by AHA on their little, on their accordions on YouTube. <laughs> That's one worth looking for. And you realize they, they've created this, and those four people, that's their job, to be army accordion players, whatever. And they'll have put this up going, look how good we are, we have accordion players, and they're playing your modern music. <laughs> yeah, okay. And, and they were awful. They were, they were, they were, they were shit. That, be- that's not the case yeah. with all of their artists, though. If you want a really, really insightful look at what's happening in North Korea and what the economic conditions and the education conditions and social conditions are there, um, it might even be streaming on Netflix, although I'm, I'm not sure if it's the same there as it is here in the U.S. But there's a, a show called The Vice Guide, The Vice Guide to Travel, right. V-I-C-E. And there's one episode where they do go to North Korea. It's basically a guy with a, a, a hideable camera that they managed to sneak into North Korea. Um, you know, the country lets in tourists from China. Yeah. And that's a big deal, but they're very, very censored during the entire time they're there. They're not allowed to have any kind of recording equipment. But these two American guys managed to palm one in and do a documentary about their travel there. And it was just miles and miles and miles of fallow farmland, people not being able to get a a decent meal, buildings with no electricity, um, sham hotels that were constructed to show off the tourism industry in North Korea that just doesn't exist. Yeah, nobody living there. Um, it's really, really incredible. But one neat thing about it was, like you were saying with the accordionists, they had all these prodigy students, young kids who had been picked to be able to play the guitar or play the horns or whatever instrument or whatever art that they were good at. And they were really, truly, incredibly, incredibly good. They'd been doing whatever brand of art that they'd been assigned to since they were you know, two years old. Yeah. So they were complete adepts at it. But they had nothing to do to use it for except to play for the the great and victorious and glorious leader. So uh, I I guess the question now on everyone's lips is, will Kim Jong-un be as crazy as his father? I'm beginning to think so. Both social repressionist and nuclear, like we were talking about. Yeah, I'm beginning to think so. There's always been a lot of talk on the news here about him saying, well, he did go to school in Sweden 
and they're pretty cool and groovy, so maybe he's pretty cool and groovy, and you think, mm, no, no, I see your point, I see why you'd think that, but I, I don't think so. I think to go back to North Korea and go, I'm your new leader, gonna change a few things, I think that's how you get assassinated. Uh, absolute power corrupts absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, if you had an opportunity to be in complete control of everyone's lives and have all their money and say what everyone does, would you use that power or would you hand it over to someone else? It's. Do you know what it's like? It's like the one ring. It's like if this power exists, surely I'm the best one to use it because right now I, I wouldn't do anything bad with that and somebody else might if I gave it away. And as you know, the whole point of Lord of the Rings is you can't put that ring on because no one can handle that power. That power mustn't exist. <laughs> and, and that's, you've got to learn that lesson, but inevitably I would be stupid and, and use the power and probably upset a lot of people. Which well, be one good. person on one person on the chat room here says Koreans don't have a big enough army to invade the U.S., which I think think i'm almost positive koreans have the fourth largest north koreans this is have the fourth largest standing army in the world but you've got to you've got to wonder how accurate that reporting is uh, oh. carlos from the forum says we've got chuck norris so everything's balanced out yeah that that is true i suppose but more realistically you have to sort of think well the united states might have a massive army how much of that massive army is in the united states right now not. Well, how much of it need to be manpower, too, when we have such incredible technology? Yeah. Um, so would, they, I don't think they'd get very far. And to be fair, I think you'd see them coming. I, I you think, might. I think you'd <laughs> notice the population of North Korea getting into boats <laughs> and setting sail across the Pacific, and you might be able to do something about it maybe a week before they arrive. It could be that we might have, I don't know, some sort of fleet waiting for them. Alternatively, it could be another Pearl Harbor where somebody sees them and then tells their commanding officer and gets told, don't be silly. Don't, don't, they're not coming. I've seen them. No, don't be silly. <laughs> or let them come. It'll be good for the economy. Yeah. <laughs> that would be the other thing. Are they going to take our jobs? No. No, that's not why they're coming. Um Bless them, they're crazy North Koreans. I really hope it works out all right for them in the long term. I don't see... Do you know, I, I've been trying to kind of think, just, you know, what, what situation... How could North Korea play through in the long term? Because I think that communism is flawed. If it were, it doesn't work. Ask the Russians. It's a, it doesn't work en masse. It work, communism works if you're living with 29 other people. And that's it. When you're into the millions, bad idea. And I think communism works not not the way that you want it to, but it does become sustainable if you can brainwash your people well enough. You know, people are the most adaptable animal, and you can try to make them live through anything. I think the North Koreans are at a point where they're happy being virtually enslaved. As long as the leadership can keep that up and keep people fed, North Korea will keep its borders closed. Do you think... Yeah, I I think the the maybe if their if their economy becomes just literally unlivable, like you know we we say that they don't have enough money to feed their people, that that can just get worse, can't it? I suppose they can have less money and feed less people, as it's often said, any country is three mil, three meals away from revolution. 
Yeah, it would have to be a matter of absolute ag- agricultural um, collapse. Yeah, which is which is not an impossibility, I suppose, with my infinite knowledge of agriculture that I have. Um, I, I suppose it could happen. And I, I was thinking the other way that they could fall is if they do try something with somebody else. Is if they do try and... You know, what if they did fire a missile at you guys? How long are you going to sit there letting them fire off missiles before something's done? Probably not long. Um, it's a tough call to make, though, because, you know, the biggest thing with North Korea for a long time has been their stated plans to reunify with South Korea by force if necessary. So let's say that they start trying to do that. They, they launch an invasion, they launch a nuke, whatever it might be. What does the U.S. do? Do we go for MAD, you know, mutual assured destruction? Do we send more forces to the South Korean border? Do we become engaged in a land war? The DMZ is shaky at best. How, yeah. how, do you, how do you respond to that situation? I think you look at what China do for a start. I think they're, they're, they're kind of the big kid in the room with this one. And well, China's really North Korea's only trading partner and ally at this point. Yeah, and from what I gather, they're not happy. They're in a kind of, we know we're like communists and you guys are communists and so we're all supposed to be like communist mates and that, but we are doing a lot of trading with these guys and you're making us look really stupid. Um, and, and so I'm not sure how much China would be on their side if it actually came down to it. Again, I might just be talking crap, but that's that's the kind of feeling that I get from it. That while everything's just posturing and, and saying who you're mates with and all that, China are fine. But if it actually came down to them having a war, then I, I think all bets are off and I, I don't think they'd be up for it. And there's also the idea that if North Korea did kick off, all the refugees would go into China. And they don't want that. More than anything. And so... Yeah, I think you look at what China do. Because the last thing you want to do is get into a war with China. I'm thinking that that wouldn't end well for anyone. It's the same reason why, even if South Korea wanted it, why reunification between the two countries would be so difficult. Because even if the North Koreans did lay down all their weapons, if Kim Jong-un stepped down and said, okay, let's, let's surrender, the South Koreans couldn't really absorb that large of a completely completely dependent welfare state yeah it does then become the biggest humanitarian problem perhaps of all time and there'd have to be so much international aid from around the world just to keep these people alive and integrate them into wherever they ended up and that sort of thing but i've got to admit rich i i've tapped myself out here i've said more than i know about north korea already I have. And that's, <laughs> I'm sure that I've said things that are just completely not true. <laughs> yes, my lack of knowledge of North Korea will become evident to anyone who knows anything about North Korea. Uh, what else do I know? They're quite short. Uh, that's it. That's that's what I know. That's nine they, they seem to like the color brown. They do. That is a good one for them. Um, but other than that, I'm I'm I know nothing. I did watch the. Uh, speaking of things on Netflix, the Michael Palin travel programs i don't know if you if you ever get them over there i think you might i'm fairly sure we do but i have not watched them well he he you know he does all these trips like around the world in 80 days and then he did the the pacific rim countries the one i'm watching at the moment is his journey across the sahara but he did he did one where he did the korea north korea thing 
And he did the demilitarized zone, the walking around the table where on one side you're in North Korea and the other side you're not. And then the trip up into the mountains to see the, the fake towns that are built there. Uh, like you said, the big hotels and that sort of thing. And these towns are built within view of the border to make it look like there are things there. When in actual fact, you look through binoculars, there's no lights on, there's no people, there's there's nothing. It's just buildings on a hill. Well, I have heard reports from various servicemen who were stationed in South Korea and came back that if you do look closely, especially if you have some of the advanced intel that is coming across that border, that a lot of it is propped up dummies or dead people or cardboard cutouts made to look like there's a lot of people manning the North Korean side of the border. Right. I wonder how many of them there really are there then. It's well, nobody seems to know really how many there are population-wise for the for the country. Yeah, that, that's what there's I so mean. Much, there's so much misinformation. There's an entire ministry of misinformation operating in North Korea trying to convince the rest of the world that things are hunky-dory there. Wow. And, and yet they don't seem to realize that the only way they could do that is by making it nice and letting people in to see that it is nice. I don't know. Some people, they never, never learn. Never learn. What, what, do you know what amazed me about it was? I said to my, I was just in a conversation with my mother and said, oh, have you heard about, you know, Kim Jong-il's died? Who? What? Who, who's Kim Jong-il? Are you You're serious. Are you kidding me? Are you actually kidding me? Who's Kim Jong-il? Oh my God. The guy from Team America. Oh, him. Really, mother. Dear God. Now, this is even more disturbing. Not that she had seen Team America, but that she could identify with it more than she could identify with the you know, real-world events or, or, or news or context. Now, what's really frightening, Jason, is that she's a teacher. That's what the really scary edge on that one was for me. You teach of kids. what subject and grade level? Uh, elementary school ages, so all subjects. They just, you know, I don't know how it works in America here. You just, you are in a class at that age and that teacher does everything hopefully my sister-in-law will never discover this episode but I tell the apocryphal story of when she started teaching kindergarten uh, at that point in time she didn't know that London was not in France right so uh, teachers do have their specialties I'll give them that and they don't have to know everything but you do expect them to have a, a basic handle on what's going on I would expect my mum to know who Kim Jong-il was just by being alive in the world for the last 30 years you know how do you how does that one get past you if you seen... how do you have a lack of, of curiosity enough that when it's as pervasive as it is being mentioned over and over again in pop culture and on the news that you don't check it out yeah I, I, I don't know what to I'm almost embarrassed that was my mum did that it's just weird but yeah there you go she's otherwise an extremely intelligent woman uh, <laughs> but yeah didn't know who Kim Jong-il was other than from Team America not much to say to that really um, well I suppose God because we're about to we're approaching an hour now. I suppose we should give up. My God, dude, that flew by. Yeah, I, I kind of was wondering. I was looking at my watch here and thinking, hmm, does Rich really know how long we've been talking about this? Because I'm happy talking about Red Dawn, but at the same time, if you were going to try to talk cartoons on the, on the end of that, I was going to have to uh, maybe take a bathroom break. Yeah, no, Rich, <laughs> Rich never has an idea how long he's been talking. <laughs> I've tried many things over the years, big clocks that sit on my screen, all kinds of stuff. It never got me anywhere. 
So I, just... I do, before we leave, just have one more quick question for you about the end. Okay. Did you like when Patrick Swayze came back as a ghost? Oh, dear. It, it was a really good film, though. I enjoyed it. And I might even watch it again soon just to make sure I took everything in and got it all. It was it was cool seeing Charlie Sheen literally about 12 years old. Um and all of that. It was it was nice. I enjoyed it. Really enjoyed it. I don't think I'd enjoy a remake as much at all. So, it might become a movie you should see now. I, I think know. you should. I I would like to hear what the rest of the gang have to say about it. So would I. I need to get together with the rest of the gang. As well, that's I can keep getting lots of email. There's movies you should see coming back, more than likely. Yes, we've not cancelled it. We just haven't done any, so don't know what to tell you. We will. It's okay to take a breather. Yeah, the thing was we took a breather and then did like three, and now we've taken another breather. But I think the plan is to well, the plan is to bring other people onto the show. So you might find yourself invited to come on movies you should see at some point. Well, you know how to reach me. I do. I think what we'd actually planned on doing was sort of planning out a few shows in advance, only in terms of what film it's going to be, and then putting that on the calendar and saying, if anyone wants to get on in on these films, then <clears throat> let us know. And that way we always have four or five people on a show, which which really makes it, I think. So that will come back and all of that. How's Atomic Trivia War 9000 going? Oh, it's going terrific. We're doing gangbuster numbers. I, I don't want to brag or anything, but, you know, we are number two on the network. <clears throat> so, uh... Well, it's a truly awesome show. I encourage oh, you all you. to check it out on simplysyndicated.com. And, uh, it's, it's... I love that show. You know, I haven't really mentioned it overtly on the show, but this is as good a place as any. We're kind of changing around a little, uh, you know, a few things as well. Uh, you might notice if you've been listening lately that there are fewer guests, and that's a there's a there's a reason for that. We're trying to bring you a little bit more content um, without having to worry about managing as many variables from week to week. Yeah, and we're we've also changed the way that we're recording. We're doing many more tracks now, uh, having different people record from their ends to increase the audio quality. Oh, nice. So idea. you might have noticed that. Yeah, but um, if you haven't listened uh, and you like trivia. Go ahead and pop it up. Uh, you can find us on iTunes or on simplysyndicated.com. Cool. And uh, I was nearly going to say, and check out my show as well. I uh, don't want for ages. I'm going to do another show. At some point, I've got a script to write before I do that. It's coming along, but slowly. I've never really done much script writing before, to be honest. But it's something I want to do. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. That's for the TV show. For the TV show? Yeah. Ah. I never say anything more than that on publicly about it because I feel it really... I was biting my tongue and wondering whether I should ask or not. Yeah, it really... Because you... Yeah, you and I have talked about that in the past and I wasn't sure how much other people knew. Yeah, it, it, there's, there's no specific reason for not telling anyone other than I really feel it, it teases the hell out of people. And it's like, you keep saying this about a TV show. I know. Jason, I'm not telling you guys, though. You'll know when there's something to know. I think. That's all. That's all. So, if you want to check out our other shows, they're all there. Simplysyndicated.com. 
And they're all awesome. This has been remastered. We should have an email address for people to email us, which will be remastered at simplysyndicated.com. I'll set that up immediately. Oh, and we need a forum section as well. Let me write this down now. Make well, sure. I was going to say you have to release a show. That's the other thing. I'm hoping I'm going to get that out. <laughs> I, I will be getting that out tomorrow. That's on my list of things to do tomorrow. Because um, it's been... God. There's just so many things that I keep putting on this. So I actually need... the the We need a logo. And all kinds of things. So uh, that's that's my job for tomorrow. That's what I'll be doing. This show will be out. And that's the, right. Yeah, but it's good because now we're sort of we the recordings a week in front, which is good. In case, yeah, just of, just in case. Yeah, just in case. In cases, well, just in case, and that's that's how it should be. Regularity is the key now. That's my main focus with all our shows. Regularity. Okay, with that in mind, I will end the show. Otherwise, we will talk until three o'clock in the morning. Uh, your time which is just crazy. So uh, I'll get off. So thank you for listening, everybody. Thank you, everyone in the chat room. And thank you, Jason, once again. I, it's such a pleasure to do this, this show. It really is. Yeah, I'm having a blast. And we'll come back next week and talk about cartoons. Yes. Cartoon, well, it's cartoons and cereal, isn't it? It is. It's the, the, the twofer, the, the quintessential combo. Good. Good. I'm actually glad the two are combined because I think that compared to you, we have an extremely limited cereal lineup and I can talk about <laughs> literally like two or three cereals and I don't think that's the case for you. I, we'll I, see. Yeah. I've been looking on Amazon at some of the food you people eat and it's crazy. I'm willing to bet you never had Bill and Ted's excellent cereal. No, we did not, but I wanted some. That's amazing. <laughs> that's amazing. That's, that's next week. Cool. Right. I will refrain from getting on with that then. Okay, everybody. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye. See you guys.